before we get into our sermon, let us pray together at this time. Father God, enable us to proclaim the living word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Anoint and awaken your people to be challenged, encouraged, nurtured, and transformed. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our scripture today is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And it reads as follows. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Friends, if you recall recently during our time together, on Sunday mornings we have dealt with our eyes, how we see each other. We have focused on our listening. And we have even zeroed in on our right to breathe as empowered by the divine breath of God. Over the next few Sundays, um, the sermons that we will be looking at, Father's Day likely excluded, we are going to be focusing on matters of the mind. And we want to take these opportunities to engage in the exploration of our minds because the mind plays a vital role in our daily Christian lives. And as we endeavor to individually and collectively propel the gospel message of Jesus Christ, we have to do so with the right mindset. Amen. And so uh, let us consider together today the words of the Apostle Paul as he is writing to the Philippian church. I want to preach from the topic, losing my mind. Will you say that with me? Losing my mind. In this letter to the Philippians, Paul shares how his sufferings are resulting in the advancement of the gospel. He writes to encourage the church to solve their own internal problems so that they could bond together as one body for the spread of the gospel message. Throughout his writings, Paul challenged and championed the early churches to walk worthy of their calling. And in this particular letter, uh, Paul used one of the Philippians' favorite things to brag about, to make his point. See, at that time, it was a great honor to be a Roman citizen, and folks were really proud to be loyal subjects of the emperor, Caesar. But Paul wanted to demonstrate that those who were newly formed in Christ, this new community of Christian believers, that their heavenly citizenship was greater than their Roman citizenship because they followed a greater emperor in the person, in the king, Jesus the Christ. This is one uh, crucial, one of the most crucial, important points that Paul is trying to make in the text that we have before us today. Um, in, this, in this passage, Paul announces that 
Jesus Christ is Lord and that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that this is the truth. And precisely because these believers of the true emperor Jesus, because they all have been called and accepted into this, this new community, they should live lives that are worthy of the accomplished work of Christ on the cross. Okay, and so the gospel message about Jesus is the good news that he lived a sinless life, that he offered his life on the cross to pay for your sins and mine, that he was buried, and that he rose again physically from the grave, and that he is alive forevermore, seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, until the time comes for him to return to set up his earthly reign. And therefore, living lives worthy of the gospel is the proper and necessary lifelong response for all that God has done in our lives through the gospel. That was true for Christians then, and that is also true for Christians today. That's what the church, that's what we should all be trying to do. But how do we do it? That is the question. How do we do it? Because working and serving with people often presents challenges. Uh, even if you if you have ever worked and served with people in any capacity, you know that this is the case. Can I get a witness that working with people can be tough work? Um, and this is true even when, or some would say especially when, working and serving with church folk. Amen. You would think that working in the church would be easier. Working with Christian believers would make life easier for you. Um, but sometimes it also presents challenges as well. Uh, because whether you are a professing believer or you have never had a relationship with Jesus, we all go through things and we all bring those things to the table when it's time to work with other people. And those things come out and sometimes get in the way. And sometimes even though things get heavy in our personal lives, uh, we are still expected to press on. Because as you know, uh, life is not going to wait for any of us to catch our breaths. We have to to keep it moving, right? Or sometimes get run over because life doesn't wait. It would be nice if there was some type of pause button that we could hit when we're going through a battle and we're going through a storm and we can we can pause all of that other stuff um, and so that we could just focus on that particular crisis. That would be nice. But as you know, that never happens. It seems like um, even when we are already going through something, something we're already carrying as much as we think we could take, is at that very moment, it seems, that others will, are standing by ready to pile more stuff onto us, right? And so, I mean, I just I just think I continue to lift up and pray for um, the family of George Floyd and the others who have lost their lives recently um, that we've been watching and, and praying for and marching for and protesting and speaking out against uh, in the media that we've been watching here lately. So we continue to lift up those families, um, especially as the Floyd family had to put their loved one to rest this week. Um, and so, but you would think that, you know, they were already dealing with stuff likely in their own lives and then this happened and now they have to deal with that and continue to, they're expected to keep moving. Um, and that's just the way life is. But um, we, we have to be careful. We have to be careful because when we're going through like that, when, when all this stuff is starting to pile up on us, our human nature is very easy for us to blow a gasket and snap all the way off on somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and you and you will lose your mind, but in the wrong way. Not the way that we're talking about today. Not in the way that we're championed for today. Um, because there's a big difference between peace of mind 
and peace of mind. Okay, the goal should not be uh, to give everybody a piece of your mind, like a piece of cake, right? But for you to have peace of mind, to have the joy of Christ in your life. And so that's that's the big difference between that. Um, and this is not uh, just true in our personal lives, but this also, again, um, uh, this also happens in the church. Um, as part of the church, things can happen to us as a church body, um, you know, whether we were meeting, when we were meeting physically together or online or on telephone or text messages. Um, how many know that things often get lost in translation when we're talking via text message? Um, this also happens in little side conversations that sometimes we like to have before or after church men, uh, meetings. But those things can hinder any forward progress being made as a church body. And that's what the Philippian church was dealing with. And that is also what many of our churches are dealing with today in this present time. And so now more than ever, as we are going through what we're going through, the church needs to work together for the advancement of the gospel message, even in the midst of this pandemic, even in the midst of people being laid off and the various hardships that we're facing, the racial unrest in our country. Uh, more, now more than ever, the church needs to be working together for the advancement of the gospel, right? That's what we, we have to be on our mission more than ever because after all, that is our primary purpose for existing. That's the only reason that we are in existence is to push forward the message of Jesus Christ. Um, and we got to take that message to everyone and everyone that is hurting out there. So early in his letter, Paul urges the church to stand fast, right? And that's what we all have to do. Uh, the word that we translate from the Greek here as stand fast is a present tense verb that means to be firmly committed in conviction or belief. And so Paul frequently uses the word, uh, this word uh, about standing fast to encourage followers of Christ to establish and to exemplify a firm conviction in their faith. And see, believers are not to waver in their beliefs, in their walk with Jesus. We're not to waver in that. We should be instead we are to trust in Jesus Christ uh, and we are all called to be firmly rooted in Christ, rooted and grounded, be anchored in the Lord. That's what we're all called to do. And so you might be asking, Brother Greer, how do we do that? Um, you know, how do we do that? It sounds easy. It sounds good. But how do we do it? Well, we are to be firmly committed in one spirit and in one mind. The emphasis here is not on individual firmness but in being firmly committed as a church body, okay? In, in a church with many members, many, many uh, personalities like any church, I don't care if it's a, a church with a large membership or a smaller membership, oftentimes there are many different opinions, right? Sometimes competing desires. Um, and so Paul, is his urgent plea in this text is for the church to come together and to be firmly committed together. And, and, and see, what you got to realize is behind the fact that he has to make this appeal is the implication that the church was not meeting this expectation, right? I mean, that's, that's, that just goes to reason. He, he wouldn't be spending time laboring, writing this letter, letter to say these things if they were already excelling and doing these things properly. Um, and so later on in this, in this uh, letter to the Philippian church, around chapter 4, I believe it is, uh, we discover that there was disunity due to disagreements about the doctrine of the church. 
they had disagreements about the doctrine of the church. And so, uh, and so in the text that we have today, uh, looking at uh, verse number five, Paul encourages the Philippian congregation to embrace the mind of Christ. The idea here is to literally, to literally think this way among yourselves. Think this way among yourselves. Why? Because transformation begins in our minds. Transformation begins in our minds. The way that we think impacts the way that we live, the way that we behave, the way that we relate to other people. Um, and so if we think of ourselves as better than other people, we will treat them as inferior. We will. And on the flip side of that, if we think that other people are better than us, if we think less of ourselves, then we will look down upon ourselves as being inferior. And both of these stinking thinking modalities can be found present in our churches today. In every church you look at, you can find people uh, on both sides of this. And so this should not be the case, though, because believers are called and expected to think the way that Christ thinks, right? And to do this, every one of us listening today, we have to lose our minds by choice. We got to lose our minds. And so point number one from this text, if we really want to be united as a church, we must first choose to lose. We must choose to lose. Friends, the text tells us that it says, it says, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. That seems to mean to me that this is a willful decision that we all have to make. We either choose to have the mind of Christ or we refuse to have the mind of Christ. The Philippian church uh, would bring great joy to Apostle Paul's heart if they just had unity. But to achieve that, they must choose to have the same mind, literally to think the same. Unity then starts in our minds. Okay, Unity also comes through embracing the same love, the same heart of Christ. And Paul is telling us that the, the life of the church is transformed when believers' minds are converted into the mind of Christ. Exchanging our minds, exchanging our minds is a decision that we must make if we uh, want to make an impact on this world. I know a lot of us are praying, a lot of us are watching and concerned about what's going on in the world, in our communities, uh, near and far. Um, but the only way that we can really have an impact is by exchanging our minds, uh, our ways of thinking for those of Christ. That's what we have to do. Okay, so here's a question I would like to ask now. How many agendas do we really need? If we are truly one body operating from the same heart and mind of Christ, why can we not just have one agenda, right? Why can we not have one agenda? You see it sometimes. We have a church meeting. We call for a church meeting, and there's an agenda. But if you watch and listen and pay attention, oftentimes there are many competing agendas that have been brought to that room, that have been brought to that meeting. Okay, and it shouldn't be that way. But when every believer follows their own desires and ambitions, only chaos and conflict can ensue. That's the only thing that can happen. But when we put aside our own agendas and our pride and focus on clothing ourselves with humility in line with the example of Jesus Christ, we are able to come together to accomplish God's purposes. Otherwise, we will have conflict and the world will watch us and wonder, what are they doing? 
<laughs> you know what what is what is the church doing and, and see they, they they and then when that happens they will have no desire to follow christ and our witness will be weak and it will fail and falter okay and we don't want that and so whether in a family or a church when each member humbles themselves and considers others there is love and harmony and that that's that's got to be the goal the the aroma of christ and the presence of the holy spirit can be sensed and experience when this is the case. Um, and, and it will be no doubt that God is at work in that place. And that leads us to point number two. Believers must choose to serve God and others first and foremost. Point number two. Believers must choose to serve God and others first and foremost. Selfless humility uh, does not demand one's own rights and privileges as we see in verses 6 and 7. Even though Christ exists present tense, if you're reading present tense in this uh, passage, in the same nature as God the Father, he does not consider equality with God's nature as a thing to be held on to. Okay, and so in his pre-existence, Jesus resided in heaven with the angels who obeyed his every command and he existed in this eternal, glorious state, okay? But he, he didn't hold that in such a high regard to, to, you know, so he still gave that up to come and, and, and to die for us. And so believers today should, should emulate the example of Christ. No matter what our status is or our position is uh, in church or in the natural world, uh, we can either hold on to these things or we can relinquish our rights and privileges but know this, by losing our minds, God, God is glorified and the mission of the church is easier to accomplish when we jettison our desires for our own wills, right? We got to let some stuff go. We can't be the superstar. I know that we might be talented and gifted, but it's not about you. It shouldn't be anyway. It should, be, should always be about the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. And this can be super tough because... We are born self-centered, sinful, selfish, thinking about our own agendas and our own interests. That's just a lot of the, that's our human nature. That's the part of our sin condition. But we must work daily at letting the mind of Christ be in us. Again, no matter the situation, we must weigh our choices and lay aside what seemingly is best for us and choose what is best for others, okay? We, we must ask ourselves, what will bring the greatest joy to God the Father, all right? And, and not just about, what, don't just think about what is best for us, because most times that's what's motivating our moves and our desires and our, our plans and our agendas is, is we're trying to please ourselves, we're trying to promote ourselves, right? We're trying to make ourselves comfortable, and, but that's that's not that's not pleasing to God. You know, God God can take care of all of that stuff for us if we focus on pleasing and honoring Him, right? And so while while a job promotion might sound good, it might be good for us as individuals. It might not be what's best for others, right? I've had opportunities in the past that I turned down because it, it wasn't the best opportunity for my family. Right. It, it, it might have seemed like a great move at the time for myself, but it wasn't a great move for the family. I had to think about us as one unit. Um, and the same thing happens in our churches. You know, we have to think about what's the best choice that's going to bring God the greatest glory 
That's the first thing and benefit the most people. All right. Point number three. We are to seek humility over honor. Seek humility over honor. Christ did not demand his rightful honors, but he emptied himself of his glory and heavenly privileges by taking the form of a servant. For absolute glorious king, from, from the absolute glorious, from absolute glorious king Jesus, he released uh, all of this stuff by becoming a servant. He, he, was, he was the king. He was he is the king, um, but he he decided to to give up all of his rights uh, in heaven to come to this to the dirty earth, the sinful earth, to take on the form of a servant to die for your sins and my sins, right? And and so think about this from the context of the people that that Paul is writing to. A servant in the Roman world was a person with no freedom, a person with no rights, and so Jesus uh, released. These things that he had total access to, he had all rights to, all the privileges of in heaven. He released all of that stuff in obedience to God. And he took upon himself the likeness of mankind uh, by being born into this world to the Virgin Mary. And so the Son of God appeared on earth as a human, a human being. He had flesh like a human being. He ate like a human being. He got tired like a human being. He even lived like a human being. Uh, and furthermore, verse 8 states that Christ humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, the most hideous form of torture at the time. He, he became obedient to that. He, had to, he chose to lay down his life. Death didn't, didn't overtake him. He chose to lay it down. And so because he was so obedient and he so loved his father in the world, that he, he did that. Christ's obedience stemmed from his humility. Right. He came not to draw uh, attention to himself. He, 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 he didn't he didn't come down here to do his will. He came down here to do the will of his heavenly father. And so we must follow the path of humility as we as well uh, as we relate to each other. And as we relate to God, the father, we have to follow that same uh, pattern of humility that Jesus exemplified for us uh, during his time on the earth. So through Christ's humility and obedience to God the Father, God's purposes were accomplished, right? Our sin debt was paid off because Jesus was obedient, because he humbled himself, because he emptied himself of all of the stuff that he had total rights and privilege of. And so God's holy demands, God's holy demands against sin, our sin, were fulfilled through Jesus. Um, and Christ fulfilled all of the requirements of the Old Testament law for a sacrifice on the behalf of all sinners, something had to die. Blood had to be shed. And Jesus, he took on that responsibility. and He did it for us once and for all. And so as we follow Christ's example of humility and obedience, we too can accomplish God's purposes in the earth. You have a purpose for your life. The purpose is not to, to fulfill you know, this great grand scheme of yours, but our goal should all be to get our marching orders from the from the king of glory from Jesus Christ we, we should want to to live a life that is pleasing to God and so uh, and the only way we can do that is to to be obedient to be humble have some humility about ourselves friends the church at uh, this Philippian church was a divided church at the time it was it, they were divided uh, and if we be honest many churches today are divided and like I said it had nothing to do with COVID COVID-19 before we came on the scene, 
many churches were already divided. Okay, and so the churches were dealing with stuff, uh, and, and just like we see here in the text. And so the Philippians were looking to serve their own interests, to fulfill their own selfish desires and vain aspirations. They 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 had this uh this focus on themselves. You know, it wasn't about it wasn't about Jesus. It wasn't about you know pushing the gospel message forward. And so this is what Paul is checking. And as a result, there was this unhealthy competition that had developed in the church um, that resulted in disunity and conflict. And so God is saying through Paul to lay aside your desires and interests and look to the interests of others because we miss out on the complete picture uh, that God is trying to develop right in front of our eyes when we focus on our own ideas and thoughts. But with a humble and teachable spirit, right, we can learn and benefit from each other. Everybody in our church has something to offer to our church community. That's why God allowed them to be there. Is it, You know, right? Everybody has something that they can offer and contribute to make that a better uh, community and, and to have a broader reach uh, to the uh, to the larger community. And so that we have to always remember that, that everybody is important. Um, and so the, the verses ended in our passages today reveals the following, that honor comes after humility. So it says that um, God, in response to Christ's obedience, he exalted him to the highest place. God gave Jesus the highest glory by giving him the name that is above every name. It says that at the, at the name of Jesus Christ, every tongue and every knee of every person, right, and every angel, elect and or fallen, will confess that Christ Jesus is the Lord. And it says, to the glory of God the Father. So, Everybody, I don't care how rich you are, how poor you are, I don't care how far you've made it in life. If you haven't confessed Jesus while you were here on earth, while you had the, the free will and opportunity, you're going to confess one day. Okay, and so I, 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 hey, you're going to confess one, one way or another because it says every knee, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. That's, that includes all of us. And so um, the Philippian church is inspired through the writings of Paul to follow the same path um, that God that God would be glorified as the people of God honor Christ through their selfless uh, humility and obedience, and that's the same call that we have today as readers of this Bible is that we would have the same uh, sense of selfless humility and obedience, strict obedience to the will and work of God. Right? Because if we choose to embrace the mind of Christ through selfless humility and obedience. When we do that, my friends, we bring glory to God and the people, all the people will confess that Jesus is Christ is Lord. And we want people to confess. We should want people to confess that, that Jesus is Lord now. Right. We should want them to get the full benefits of confessing that Jesus is Lord now on this side. OK. And so that's why we all need to be sharing the gospel message. It's not just for the preachers. It's not just for the Sunday school teachers, you know, and those in other ordained ministry positions. It's for everybody. If you're a believer, then you have a responsibility to share Jesus with somebody. But here's the question we all have to answer. And this, this comes from one of my professors uh, from seminary. He would ask this question. Are you more focused on climbing the ladder or lifting the cross? Are you more focused on climbing the ladder to success 
or reaching or, or lifting the cross of Jesus Christ. Because either way you answer it, my friends, uh, they both will cause you to do things that you would not normally do in and of yourself. Okay? And so the first will cause you to step on and step over people in efforts to elevate yourself, your career, your family, or even your church. It will cause you to go on seek and destroy missions. Right? Because you're always looking to somehow elevate yourself. And you will you will be willing to, to do anything. You'll be looking for folks to cuss out, folks to kick out, keep people to force out of positions uh, because you believe that you belong in that spot. And, and you'll be doing that all day long because you think that you got something coming and, and people have been holding you back from it. But if we take the other approach, if we focus more on lifting the cross of Jesus Christ, right? This this If you go this route, this will cause you to go out of your way to help whomever you can wherever you can, and whenever you can. This approach will cause you to go on search and rescue missions, to seek the lost, the forgotten, and abandoned, and to offer them some type of healing balm for their souls. That's what it will cause you to do. Beloved, I don't know about you, but it is my joy, it is my honor, it is my privilege to lose my mind for Jesus for the sake of the gospel. I'm only a fool for Jesus. I lose my mind for Jesus willfully. How about you? Have you lost your mind? Can I ask you that question today? Have you lost your mind? And if not, I'm going to ask you this. What are you waiting for? Lose your mind for Jesus. Amen. And so if you haven't, I want to pray with you. I want to offer Jesus to you right now. And we will pray uh, and, and that you will receive Jesus into your life, that you will lose your mind for the sake of Jesus. And we're going to come back in, the, in a few weeks and we're going to continue this discussion about matters of the mind and how it affects our Christian walk and how we should relate to each other. Um, and so let us pray. First, let us pray for salvation. Lord Jesus, for far too long, I have kept you out of my life. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I cannot save myself. No longer will I close the door to my heart when I hear you knocking. By faith, I receive your gift of salvation. I am ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you for bearing my sins and giving me the gift of eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart now, Lord Jesus, and be my Savior forever. Amen. And I also just want to pray for us, uh, you know, our, us as believers that we will lose our minds for Jesus Christ. Um, and so let us pray. Dear God, we just thank you right now. We ask for you to continue to to give us the boldness to empty ourselves the way that you emptied yourself, God, that we will not take for granted or, or hold on to the things that we feel entitled to because of our, our last name or our position or our status in life. But we're, we're, we're going to consider those things nothing for the sake of the gospel, God. We're going to stay focused on seeking and serving and rescuing those who have been lost and forgotten about and abandoned and so, God, we just want to uh, just be so focused on spreading the gospel message that we're not going to 
we're not going to hold those things in high regard that maybe we used to. We're going to, we're going to hold you in higher, higher regard, God. We're going to esteem you all the more. And God, we trust that, we trust that when we do that, God, when we seek you first, you said seek you first, God. We don't have to worry about all that other stuff that other people worry about in the world. We're, we're, we're not going to focus on that. We're going to rely on you and trust you to bless us the way that you want us to be blessed, to have the things that, that you want us to have, to live and go to the places that you would want us to go. And so we're, we're going to be focused on that more. And so we willfully lose our minds for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, listen, family, thank you so much for tuning in. We just thank you for joining us Joining us today. Uh, we thank you for sharing this feed. Again, I, I appreciate that so much when we see that you've shared it with other people, that you've put it on your own Facebook wall. Uh, we appreciate that because, once again, we know that you don't have to do that. Um, there's so many uh, different online services that you can watch and participate in. And so we thank you for your presence, your participation, and your support. We thank God for you. I hope that you have a great day and we'll continue praying for you. And we hope that you are praying for us. We love you. We thank God for you. And may God ever shine upon you. Have a great day.